G'day friends, it's Stacey Morgan here. If you're a busy businesswoman juggling your own journey of entrepreneurship, and if you're a fan of Regold's Dance Life podcast, then I know you'll love my podcast, How to Run a Successful Business and Still Have a Life. We release episodes every week on a Wednesday morning. Listen and subscribe now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan and I'm so thrilled to be here with the wonderful Regold. How are you, Ray? Hello, Stacey. It's good to be with you and all of our listeners today. We were just talking before we started recording about how long we've been doing the podcast for. And we are heading into our fifth season. Should we do a recital at the end? Should we put on a, I, a, a recital? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Year-end performance of yeah. some kind, some big celebration party. Yeah. You're the one who talked me into this. I give you credit. You know, we've been doing the podcast longer now than the time it took me to convince you to do it because it nearly took me five years to convince you to do it and now we've been doing it for that long so that's that's a milestone in itself it's it's been a great five years just thought i i'd throw that in there yeah i absolutely agree <laughs> well thank you it's a it's a good time today we're going to be talking about communication and education when it comes to our dance parents it's not something that we've spent a lot of time talking about before it kind of ebbs and flows in our other conversations because obviously parents are a really big part of our studio but if you have dance parents who are passionate about their children's education and they want to be surrounded by other dance parents who get it who understand what this journey is all about then Seoul would be amazing for them to attend this summer Seoul is an incredible event that's happening in Connecticut Ree tell us about why you love Seoul and why it's great for those dance parents of ours it's what a great segue, Stacy. You're such a pro at this. Soul is a passion for me. It is a non-competitive event. It's a conference. Uh, we have speakers talk about higher ed, talk about careers, talk about becoming a teacher, dance classes. But because of the topic of this podcast, and just the way I feel in general. I I feel like the last two years of soul that in one hour's time, I make breakthroughs with parents. Mm. And it's like, I love this. I see the, the light bulbs going off in their head and, and have come to believe, well, wait, because I don't want everybody to think, you know, I came where I am today immediately. I used to not be able to uh, stand the parents. I didn't think they should interfere, just let us do our thing with the pros. That was really the attitude. And my mother would walk into a room and parents would run in the other direction because they were <laughs> so afraid of her. <laughs> but... What have I come to realize? So this is for everybody. I hope you smile. You can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> what I have learned is they want information. They want to understand. Not just that they're 
uh, not just about like the curriculum, but the whys mm. when it comes to our decision making. Yeah. And that it isn't some conspiracy against their child. Sometimes a decision's made that is really best for the child, but the mother and child don't know that because nobody explained how that could be the best decision for that child. Mm. We make assumptions. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I think this is going to be a great talk. You... <laughs> If people want to attend Seoul, though, Ree, and bring their dance parents and their dancers okay. along, because it's an event for parents and teachers and kids, that's one of the great things about it, how do they register? Uh, go to regal.com backslash Seoul, and it is July 21, 22, Connecticut, at the Mohegan Sun. Beautiful. We welcome dance parents. <laughs> so speaking of dance parents, I love that you tell the story of not always being a fan of the dance parents because I didn't know that part of your story when I started reading your book and following you and going to the conferences. You were always on the side of help the parents out. So it's nice for me to hear that you weren't you, you didn't wake up <laughs> one day just, just on their side. So for people who are perhaps feeling like you used to feel, how did you get from mm. where the parents were kind of the enemy to where, you know, you're increasing your relationship with them, they're becoming advocates of what you do, et cetera? Okay, I think that's a really good question. I think the change came, maybe gradually it came, as I would talk to a parent, like make the time, even though I wasn't into this, talk to the parent, going in and thinking this is going to be hard, but then really explaining why I made the decision I made. And sometimes they'd leave giving me a hug and thanking me for spending time with them. I started to come to the conclusion that we don't just educate kids, we must educate parents, and that we take what we do for granted. Mm. And so amongst those who work with us within the studio, we all understand why we do the things we do or the decisions that we make. But from a parent looking in, I think they need to understand more. And mm. that here's a philosophy. Instead of saying, oh, why is she asking me about the recital when I sent out 22 notices? I say, I'm really glad she asked me about the recital because she obviously didn't see the 22 notices. And hear this. This is an easy question for me to answer. Mm. So not only do I tell her what the price of the tickets are or <laughs> what time they need to be at dress rehearsal without getting angry, I might actually say after that, anything else I can help you with? Mm. What a difference that can now, make. Yeah, because I, I, 
I want to build that trust with them. I think once we gain the trust of our parents, our school, we can almost do anything we want to do. And I mean good things there. Yeah. But once you've gained that trust and parents sit back and go, hey, I respect how you do this. And my kid is a happier kid because they take your program you that's success that's when you don't go home and lose sleep at night mm. over something that happened in the studio and because it's like it's, my totally it's like any relationship building if you answer all the little questions along the way when they're you know when they're a tiny tot or a twinkle toe and you answer the recital question you tell them how to get the tickets and you ask if there's anything else you can help with and they start to build that trust and then the child gets older and older when they're 13 and you don't want to put them in the front of that production number they're going to be fine with it because you've spent all those years building up that equity they've they've learned to to trust you they've learned to understand that you don't just make decisions on a whim that all of this is thought out and it is for the benefit of the child and it, it seems like a lot of work, but that work pays off later on because, you know, when we make those bigger decisions when they're older, will they get point shoes or won't they get point shoes? Like those are things that can be make or break for kids. And it's really important that we've done the legwork in the earlier years to make sure that they're going to trust us when we get to that big decision-making time. I want to say to those listening, Stacy just said from the beginning, but I am here to tell you, you can begin this process anytime you make the choice. Mm. You could be 20 years into this, my friends, and be stressed out and tomorrow change the situation. Mm. And it's, it's really by changing your mind and the mind of everybody involved in the studio when a mom asks, why do you think my daughter should take ballet? I think we should be thrilled that they asked the question. Mm -hmm. Because I can answer that. Want to know when you fall into trouble? Here's a point here. Is when you make decisions, I'll say such as class placement, maybe choreography, competitive program, and you make the decision based on your ego, mm -hmm. silence there for a minute, <laughs> maybe you could put in a little, little drop or a tambourine symbol <laughs> or something it's like I could make a decision that this group of five that's been together three years, that I'm going to keep them together because they built camaraderie. They're really a solid group. But one of those dancers maybe is falling behind. I could think, wow, I might score higher if I just cut it down to the four strongest dancers. But in my mind as a mentor, leader, teacher, I as a choreographer can make it so I keep all five of those dancers. So I look at it as you have a hard time answering the questions if your decisions are not 
based on what's really the best thing for the kids or their future. That's when you can't answer the questions. Mm. This subject is deep, but it's a truth. Yes, absolutely. And I think that there are parents that really do want to understand what this whole dance world is like. And I spend a lot of time working with my teachers on convincing them and reminding them that they are the experts in this conversation, that because a parent comes to them in the foyer, they're not immediately trying to intimidate them or have a go at them or question their decision. They're coming to the expert to get the answer straight you know, straight from the person that knows it. And I think some of my younger teachers especially will see the parent coming and start to get nervous and kind of cower in their boots and, you know, and it really intimidates them. But I do my best to encourage them and to build them up so that when that parent is coming towards them, they can stand taller because they are the expert in that situation. Because when the parent is coming at you, like you said, it's not often that they're coming because they've got a gigantic problem with the decision that you've made. They just need to understand. They just need to be able to figure it out. And once you explain it to them, some parents will go, thank you, that's that's awesome. And other parents, if they don't really understand, you know, will need follow-up. And that's frustrating, but we all learn at different rates. Yes, and it's also, uh, what's the word? It's a... Uh... It's to approach it with a little bit of empathy. Mm. This dance thing is totally out of their world. They never dance. They don't understand this. Maybe we're asking them to take more lessons and they don't know whether we're just trying to get more money in. And why do we think she needs to take more lessons Mm. or he? Mm. I mean, why can't we be open? And I want to tell you something I think it's important in this discussion is the alternative to what we're talking about turns into parents asking other parents who don't Mm -hmm. really know the answers, who may add editorial to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the answer. So you could make a choice here if that, you want them to go to other people who don't know the answer, who maybe don't support you 1000%, then go for it. Mm. But if you're the one they go to, then that mom in the studio who went to you then sits in the lobby the next week and some mother brings it up and she says, oh, I talked to Miss Stacy and this is why they did that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those car park conversations, Ray are the end of me. Like they, if, if I lose a child, if a child leaves and goes to the opposition, it's on the back of one or a series of car park conversations. <laughs> and so. And car if, park is a parking lot for those of you uh, on my side. Yes. Parking lot conversations. <laughs> and you don't want those to be occurring. You want people to feel informed. So there's no need for them to hang around in the parking lot and, you know, talk about the ins and outs of what's going on. But with a smile on my face, I want to tell you this. Um, There was a two-year period where I took over my mother's school. 
And in the second, the first year, everybody was really nice to me because my mother had passed away and they were all being kind, gentle. And then year two came and was back to all of the stuff that they had on their minds when my mother was running the place. So I knew this one mom was a little bit of a talker, whatever. And I went out in the parking lot one week and I saw her with two or three other mothers, cars running, it's the winter time. So the windows are a little steamed up and I'm going, I bet they're talking about the studio, but I didn't say anything. The next week I saw them again and they were all in the car. You know, I went over, tapped on the window and said, hey ladies, make room for me. <laughs> Shuffle over. I'm coming in. <laughs> and I said, what you guys got on your mind? And you know what? The That's silence. Ballsy, right? <laughs> and I said that, right? And then laughter. Mm. I literally broke the ice. Yeah. Tell me what you're talking about. Two weeks in a row sitting here in the parking lot. Tell me it's not dance related. or There isn't a question I could answer for you. Boom. What's your problem? <laughs> he didn't I say go that. In a different, yeah, <laughs> that's when, that's when we have a problem. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I, I love I'm that. big. I'm big at how do I want to say this? Because uh, I, I, it's not that I'm not taking it seriously, but if I can make a stressed out person laugh. Half of the stress is over right there. Mm. Yeah. Instead of hitting them back with the same. Mm. You know, I yeah. said a mom come to me one time and she was just raving. And I go, wait, wait, wait. I'm in too good a mood for this. Please go make an appointment at the office. I got to go teach another class. What? <laughs> Go what? make an appointment to ruin my Thursday, not today. <laughs> let's schedule this for a less happier moment. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I have to tell you, Patrick started um, basketball last year and he is absolutely loving it, but I'm a bas now a basketball mum and completely clueless, right? Like no idea. I may have even mentioned this before because I'm that bad. Like I just, I don't know what's going on. And, um, and their costume is really bland and plain, uh, <laughs> but they, they also don't call it a okay. costume. Costume is a uniform. <laughs> I'm just helping you out. And listen, I'm not a sports guy, but it's a uniform. And, and rehearsal is training. I've also learned that, but um, I have to tell you this. I, I normally don't get to go to the games because my other two kids have swimming at the same time that the basketball game is on. So, you know, it, that happens. And so my mum and dad noticing this said, you know, you've got to go and watch Patrick. He's really, he's really talented. Let us take the kids to swimming and you can go and watch Patrick. Oh, I thought that's really nice. Okay. So I rock up to the game and I sit up in the bleachers, like just not drawing attention to myself where I can watch my, my little boy. And then my husband arrives, he's come from straight from work and he doesn't come up into the bleachers. He goes down onto the bench and sits on the bench. And I thought, how embarrassing. He's going to be one of those parents that's like right up in the business. And next thing I know, he's yelling at kids to get on and off the court and he's getting really involved and really emotional. And I'm like, can you get, get, and like, I'm texting him saying, get, 
off the bed. Get up here into the crowd with everybody. What are you doing? And at the end of the game, I was like, that was so embarrassing. What What were you thinking? What are you doing? And he said, I'm coaching. I'm coaching the team. And I didn't – And I, <laughs> I'd missed that piece of information. I think he didn't tell me because he knew that, you know, our plates are already pretty full. He didn't want to add to it. You thought he was being a, a stage dad. I thought he was being a stage dad. And I said – you can't do that. You can't coach your sons in the team. Like that's a conflict of interest. That's not a thing. And he said, look around you. Who do you see coaching all the other team? And of course, it's a big basketball stadium. There's like 15 games going on at once and it's all parents. And I was like, oh, hang on. What? Oh, huh? And I had this moment where I was like, no wonder all the parents want to be so involved in my business in how I'm running my studio, they're used to being at sports where they are very involved, where they can sit on the bench, where they're teaching the class essentially. And there's not like, cause that's how community sport is, is run. You're the, you know, the soccer coach and the, the netball coach and the basketball coach. And I was, I just had this big aha moment that for the last 15 years, I've run my studio wondering why the parents are so up in my business. And so, you know, <laughs> Did they, I'm just like, just leave me and my professional staff to do our jobs. But this was such a light bulb for me because I just I realised that every other day of the week when these parents are taking their kids to things, not only are they hanging around to watch, which we do not allow in our studio, it's like drop off and leave, <laughs> but they are not only just watching, sometimes they're running the whole show. So if I can give them a little bit of involvement a little bit of your part of this they feel more comfortable and as soon as I had that kind of light bulb moment it's completely changed my perspective on the parents in my studio because like don't get me wrong I'm not getting any I'm not asking for volunteers to come in and teach my Tuesday afternoon jazz class but I do now understand why they sometimes want to know so much and do so much and really be there and in the past I've just been like can you go away (laughs) And we also must take into consideration that our parents didn't read a book to learn how to be a parent. Mm. I think there's a lot of younger parents who are figuring out how to be a parent by researching. And one of the things they tell parents consistently is know what's going on in your child's life. Watch the schools you bring them to you know Mm. it's which then takes me back to okay if that is the world we live in then the trust factor becomes even more important Mm. absolutely absolutely and i do i do look at things like hear this i could do a once a month in my studio it could be online i do it it could be like on my facebook page it could be a night in the studio where i'm the owner or the teachers we all get together and we do an ask me anything session for Mm -hmm. parents and the things that you'll learn from what's on their mind will actually make you smarter in how you put out information because we make assumptions. They might not have the same assumptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
Right. I used to do a Facebook Live every Monday called Miss Stacy's Why Series. And I would get on and I would answer the question of why. Like, so, because every week I'd have a question. Why are we doing this on this weekend? Why is, does that event need a rehearsal? Why are they wearing red instead of black? And so I would keep a, a note in my phone of all the why questions I'd got that week. And then I would go live on Facebook at four o'clock on a Monday afternoon and I would answer all the questions. <laughs> and it was like... It was really, really helpful for my parents and I haven't done it for a couple of years. I think I stopped during COVID and just haven't picked it back up again, but it was incredibly useful to answer those questions. Embrace the parents. When you do, they end up being your supporters for life. And in my mother's and my brother, now my brother's studio, there are parents that come back all the time and I can't remember their kid's name. Yeah. But I remember the parents. Yeah. <laughs> you know that sounds crazy, but they, like any dance parent out there, this is something for our listeners to know. They're living the best years of their lives and they don't know it. Mm. Because anybody I talk to who is a former dance parent of a kid who's committed, they're like, I miss those days. I'd give anything to go back to that time. Meanwhile, during that time, if they were a competitive dancer, they were getting up early on weekends, paying for hotel rooms and costumes, and excuse my language, but bitching the whole way through. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad you said that because there's a lot of that too. But exactly what you said, but they miss it. If you turn around to parents who say, uh, this is too much or whatever, listen to what they say. But if you stop them and you go, you know, in 20 years, you're going to wish you were in an auditorium with your child for the weekend. I just want to remind you of that. Mm. And you know what? What can a parent answer when you say that? Yeah. It's a reality. Yeah. They're caught up in the now. And it's our, like I said, our role to educate them. And that's education. That's real. Love it. You're spot on. So smile at a parent okay. this week in the studio. <laughs> yeah, hug a parent. Smile at a parent. Well, don't hug every parent. I say, can I hug you before yeah. I do? Good. <laughs> this is 2024 and you just can't hug everybody. <laughs> With that in mind, thank you for listening and enjoy the journey. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production.